0: minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to Pack-A-Day Podcast. It is Sunday morning game day, September 23rd. This voice is similar to some of you but a little different because I'm in a different role and with a different partner and it's all sorts of different today, but I'm your host. My name is Jacob Westendorf, and joined with me is our California kid, Zach Jacobson. Zach, say hello to the people.
0: Hello, people. Uh, yes, this is my my Subway Sub of the Week, Jacob right here, filling in from a tub, who is uh, usually my partner every Saturday night for our Sunday episodes, for your listening pleasure before the, the Packers play. But... Couldn't be happier to have
1: you here, Jacob. No, I'm happy to be here myself. I'm a tub with the joys of fatherhood, trying to get a sick child to sleep. So my thoughts and prayers are with you. Uh, I have not had (laughs) the pleasure of doing that, but I am am thankful at the same time that I am not in your shoes in that regard. So, Zach, it is game day. It is Sunday morning. By this point, I think the matchups and everything have been beaten to death. Everybody knows that the Packers are playing the Washington Redskins. They're in D.C., We've talked all week about the Clay Matthews hit against Kirk Cousins, how the Packers should be 2-0 instead of 1-0-1. All those storylines are beaten to death. Something that was discussed by myself and Nick Schmitz on Tuesday, uh, which I believe was recorded Tuesday, discussed Wednesday, I kind of mixed some stuff up there, is the return of Aaron Jones. And upon the return of Aaron Jones, Mike McCarthy immediately said that his role would be secondary At this point we're not sure what that means. I have as you've all seen on Twitter this week if you don't follow me I suppose shame on you there but as my Twitter avatar now is Aaron Jones. I believe he's the best running back on the roster. I'm willing to give it some time to let him get his legs back under him before I fully say that McCarthy is misusing Aaron Jones. However Zach, we were talking pre-show about we kind of know how Mike McCarthy operates. Uh, Right now, he said that Jamal Williams and Ty Montgomery are in, quote, the first slots. The question I have for you, Zach, is, is that going to be something that remains the case without an injury for the next couple months? And if you were the head coach, I'm putting you in his chair right now. How are you deploying the running backs?
0: Well, first of all, if you're not following Jacob on Twitter, then you're, you're doing everything wrong. You're doing your life wrong. Okay, let's get that out of the way. Um, if, I, you know, it, it, I, I get McCarthy is saying Aaron Jones is going to be in a secondary role. Like, I get that. And you obviously don't want to take carries away from Jamal Williams and Ty Montgomery because those guys have been here for the first two weeks of the season. Those guys have, they've been the workhorses whenever the Packers have been running the ball. You know, they've been with Sandy and pass protection and very well, might I add. So you can't just take a player who just came off the suspension and throw him into the lineup. I, I, I understand that. But you're either going to get two sides of the coin with with, with uh, McCarthy here. He's going to keep Aaron Jones off the field for a majority of the game, sans you know, a couple of carries here and there. And the other side of the coin is Aaron Jones um, not seeing the field at all. And Twitter blowing up with, why isn't Aaron Jones – Getting the football is the best running back on the roster. Blah, blah, rage you know, like like Packer fans typically do every Sunday. Now, if I were the head coach, there are certain ways that you can divide those carries. Have Ty Montgomery in on passing downs. I, I mean, all three of these guys have shown that they can pass protect. And right now, obviously, nothing is more important than keeping Aaron Rodgers protected. You know, with this, with the knee he's dealing with. But I think Aaron Jones' issues in pass protection, I think they're kind of way overblown. So. There's no reason why he shouldn't be able to see the field. I almost said wheezing. Um <laughs> There's no reason why he shouldn't be able to see the field. You know, this guy, this guy needs to be out there. He is definitely the most electric running back on the roster. Not the best in pass protection, obviously. That would probably go to Jamal Williams, but he's just too good to leave off the field. It's like with Tom Montgomery, you know. If you get the ball in this guy's hands, he's going to make things happen, you know. So you have to find ways to get the ball in his hands. You have to find ways to get Aaron Jones involved in the running game. And if I were the head
1: coach, I would definitely do that. So here's where I'm at with that. First of all, something I saw, since Aaron Jones has become a Green Bay Packer, so in the very short amount of time that has been, the Packers' offense averages six yards per play with him on the field versus 5.1 yards per play without him on the field. That's about a yard and a half per play for those of you that are not mathematicians like myself. I say that in jest. I suck at math. But how I would use this offense is (laughs) – playmaking matters at the running back position as well i understand i'm not saying pass protection doesn't matter i'm not saying you need to do things that create this obvious tendency uh, i i get all that defensive coordinators are smart they'll adapt everything but the packers have three running backs and it seems like they fit into some very good roles for the team Ty montgomery is Dion lewis if you think about him that way Limit his touches per game, get him the ball 12 to 15 times per game. Let him return kicks, throw him the ball a couple times, give him a few carries as a change of pace type of running back. That is a perfect role for him. He's a versatile playmaker. Zach, I think you wrote about 600 stories about him this summer, and I read every one of them, and I agree. I mean, Ty Montgomery is a good player. I think it's very obvious when the ball's in his hands, some good things happen. I think he didn't get enough carries this Sunday against Minnesota, for example. Uh-huh. Jamal Williams is a short yardage runner. I believe it was Zach Cruz, and forgive me if it wasn't. If it was somebody else, I apologize. But Zach Cruz said that Jamal Williams was a chainsaw with legs. I think that's a perfect analogy. He's a short yardage runner. He's a slasher. (laughs) He's going to get you you three and a half to four yards. If you need to play three yards in a cloud of dust, Jamal's your guy. He'll protect the passer, and he'll shut down guys like Anthony Barr in the passing game. That's a good thing. That's a good role to have. He can play on third down if that's the case. Aaron Jones is a playmaker, guys. A yard and a half difference. That's huge. And that doesn't even account for the fact that he's a home run hitter. There are runs that he had last season. The run against New Orleans comes to mind immediately where you blink and he's just gone. And I've said this a lot. When Aaron Jones has the ball in his hands, I'm not sure what it is. This isn't a scouting term or anything like that. It just looks different. Whatever that means. It just looks different. He looks better, if you will, than the other two guys. He's, just a more, he's the most gifted runner of them all, Zach. I think you said that perfectly. Um, that's going to be an interesting situation to follow. As always, uh, Twitter is probably the worst place to be on Packers game days or the best place to be. It kind of depends on how you look at the situation. I happen to find people quite funny uh, during during these games where a three and out means that the world is ending and the Packers are going to lose every game and Mike McCarthy needs to get fired and Joe Philbin doesn't know anything and blah, blah, blah down the line. So that's where we're at with the do, running backs.
0: Do you eventually find a, a beauty in that, in, in, in the mass hysteria on game day. And yeah. watching everybody simultaneously break down.
1: Absolutely. I just, I remember, I didn't really start paying attention to Twitter during games until 2013. So the first game of that season was Colin Kaepernick throwing for oh, no. 8 million yards against the Packers defense. And I couldn't, I mean, the Packers lost 31 to 28 that day, if I remember correctly. And you would have thought they lost by 40 points. It was just incredible, the reaction of people. So I try to avoid the internet as much as I can on game days now, because for some of my sanity. But it is kind of funny at the same time, too. Uh, entitled town, I think, is a perfect analogy of word that's been used. I think that is Aaron Nagler's work. So, again, if that's somebody else, I apologize. But let's move to the safety position because well I use the term safety rather loosely here I suppose because Josh Jones is back it's hard to say what his role is going to be because he kind of ran with some of the safeties during camp and some with the linebackers and they've talked about wanting to keep him you know in one room like they did last year where they threw everything at him Zach, the dime linebacker if, this week, if you will, or most of the games so far, the two games so far has been Jermaine Whitehead, and he's played okay. Uh, I think Josh Jones is the most talented, or not the most talented, I say, one of the most talented players on the defense. His game last year against the Cincinnati Bengals is one of the best defensive performances I've seen by the Green Bay Packers in the last five years. Uh, and I don't say that lightly because there have been a few. Um, I mean, Clay Matthews has had some great games. Nick Perry, Sam Shields, some of those guys. Josh Jones was wonderful last year against the Bengals. He's back and he gives Mike Patton another weapon. How do you see his role playing out here between now and the end of the season? Is he going to be, you know, the backup's backup like he was most of the preseason? Or are they going to find a way to use him around the line of scrimmage where he does his best work?
0: I think they're mostly going to keep Josh Jones confined to, to the box, where he can play in that hybrid linebacker role. Where, as you mentioned, he, he really shined against the Bengals uh, week three last year. You know, he was like he was making tackles left and right. He was flying, essentially sideline to sideline. He was in the teeth of the defense. And I think that's exactly where you want it because he's he's that physical type of player that just fits that mold perfectly right in there. And that, I think it all really depends on how well Kentrell Bryce plays. You know, um, like, if he struggles the way he did last week, and, like, I, I get the whole, you know, he didn't want to blow up Jari Alexander on that, that last touchdown to Adam Thielen. I get he, you know, he was didn't want to play the ball. I totally understand it. But you got to make plays at that point. And if Kentrell Bryce just struggles in coverage, you know, which, which he's just been, he hasn't struggled, but he's been relatively inconsistent. Inconsistent to the point where it's noticeable and you kind of need you know, you need a little more a little more out of your safety position. So if the Packers feel need to move Josh Jones in there, which I don't know if that would be the best option because you know you don't want to overload this second-year player with all of the responsibilities that come with playing the strong safety position and securing the back end, because you're you're the last line of defense playing the safety position. Huh, Clinton Dix. He's last line of defense, you know, and there's so much responsibility on these guys at those positions where one mistake looms large, you know, and we've seen that with Clinton Dix the last, you know, 20 or so games dating back to the end of the 2016 season. So, you know, however the Packers use Josh Jones, it's most likely largely going to depend on Kenshaw Bryce and how well he plays his position.
1: Fair point. We were talking about safeties and you're talking about some of their inconsistencies in coverage. One story that came out this week was from the Press Gazette's Pete Doherty suggesting that the Packers, they missed on Khalil Mack, which has been discussed a lot. He's played for the Chicago Bears now, in case you haven't heard. Uh, John Gruden traded his best player and now doesn't know how mm-hmm. to find a pass rusher. I don't I don't understand that, but hey, thank God John Gruden is not the Packers coach. and We'll talk more about that later on. But Pete Doherty suggested, okay, they missed on Khalil Mack and now they should try for Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas is in Seattle. Uh, wasn't happy. He held out all of training camp. Came back before the first game. He played the first two games. Missed practice on Friday, but was not injured. His status for Sunday's game is unknown. This is something that uh, my friend and colleague for uh, our off-season show, which is Packers War Room, Cody Bauer. He's been. He wanted Earl Thomas more than khalil mack now i don't know that i buy into that necessarily but he's been all over this from the very beginning the packers have i think andy herman the godfather as i like to call him of this show has said several times the packers have a lot of versions of aj hawk at safety uh like haha clinton dicks for example is assignment sure uh he's more than likely to be at least in pretty good position he's not going to make any big plays He's probably not going to cost you a ton of plays. And guys like that are fine to have on the defense if you have, like in 2010, the Packers had Desmond Bishop next to A.J. Hawk. In 2014, they had Clay Matthews next to A.J. Hawk. That's good if you can do that. The problem is if you put A.J. Hawk next to Brad Jones, like they've done several years, and that's kind of what they have now. Brad Jones, if you I mean, you can interchange these analogies however you want. Brad Jones is Kentrell Bryce. And AJ Hawk is haha ha Clinton Dix, and what you have is an inconsistent safety group that doesn't make a lot of plays. And here's where Earl Thomas comes in potentially, and would be the Packers' version of Desmond Bishop or Clay Matthews or whatever you know, whatever person you want to use for that. Now Thomas is a little longer in the tooth. He's I was just gonna
0: say Desmond Bishop.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Earl Thomas a little longer in the tooth. He's 29 years old. He's had some injuries. He suffered a shoulder injury either last year or the year before that. I don't remember off the top of my head. And he's going to require a new contract and draft pick compensation to be given up. So now, Zach, eventually I'm going to put you in Brian Gutekunst's chair. What I would do if I were the Packers is the Packers have two first-round picks. I would offer a second-round pick for Earl Thomas and maybe a conditional day three pick, like a conditional fifth or something like that. And I would be willing to sign Earl Thomas to a three-year contract As a way to just plug, because if you really think about it, if we're looking way, way ahead, say the production holds and all that stuff, ah, Alha Clinton-Dix is in need of a new contract. I don't know if the Packers are going to be the team to give him one. We've talked about Kentrell Bryce's struggles. He'll be around, but he's somebody that can be upgraded from as a starter for sure. This is something to fill one of the holes that the Packers potentially will have this offseason. I'd be willing to sign Earl Thomas to a relatively I mean, it's going to be an expensive contract. He certainly isn't going to re-sign for peanuts. But I think that's something the Packers can afford. I think that they haven't had a game-changer at safety since Nick Collins, which every single Packers fan is willing to tell you that. Uh, The Packers' safety position completely changed in 2011. That's just a fact. I'd be willing to go and get Earl Thomas, with all due respect to Nick Collins, is a better player than Nick Collins was. Um, And that's, I mean... I have the highest regard for Nick Collins possible. I have said when he retired, he was the best safety in the league, and that includes a group of Troy Polamalu and Ed Reed. So you want to know what kind of respect I have for Nick Collins? That's it. Earl Thomas is a Hall of Fame player. I would be willing to go get him, and I don't know if he – I mean, he wouldn't fix the Packers defense and make him, like, the best defense in the league. But some of those deficiency issues, he would be the only safety on the roster with ball skills, and that would happen instantly. I think he would make HaHa a better player or Kentrell Bryce, or Josh Jones, or whoever they decided to put next to him. I would be willing to do it. Um, But, Zach, I have now moved myself from Brian Gutekunst's chair and put you in it. Where are you at here?
0: Well, if I'm Brian Gutekunst, I would absolutely pull the trigger on this. It would just mostly depend on what the Seahawks are asking for. I know the Cowboys already offered a second-round pick not too long ago, and the Seahawks turned that down. But that was before they were 0-2. That was before Earl Thomas was, you know, missing practice with with no injury. You know, that was before these rumors started gaining traction of Thomas to Green Bay. Now, I'm also in the camp of, should they sign Eric Reed instead and preserve that money? And save that money for, you know, a possible Han and Dix extension when his contract is up after the season because um, that's something a lot of people do forget. You know, like you mentioned, he's going to need a new contract. Are the Packers going to be the ones to pay him? We don't know yet. It's largely, I said it over the offseason, it's largely going to depend on how he plays this year. And even then, it's not a guarantee he's going to be back in Green Bay. So the Packers have like an obvious need at the safety position, and I don't know if a 29-year-old Earl Thomas – is going to be able to fix that in the long term. I mean, he'll be able to get them through a year, a couple of years, or however long the new contract is that the Packers signed him for. Which, according to uh, Doherty's article, um, one scout said he would pay Thomas like three years, twelve million a year, which that would keep him right up, um, right up in the you know in the in the safety market at this point in his career. Eric Berry, he's he's leading, he's far and away the leader of the pack as far as that goes, um, but. It's just, it's a tough call, but I would definitely pull the trigger on it. Just, I mean, if you could do that, why not sign Eric Green, too? Give her, double down a little bit. Give yourself that much more sol- um, solidarity at the, at the safety position, you know? They just, like you said, too, they, since 2011, you know, there's just been like a gaping hole. Ever since that Nick Collins injury against the Panthers, they haven't been the same at the safety position. And Holland Clinton-Dix kind of got rid of those woes very briefly for about a year, you know, a couple years. And then from then on, it was just kind of downhill from there. Um, hopefully, he can still get that turnaround sometime this season. But yeah, if I'm Brian Goodwin so I'm definitely entertaining these calls. And we don't know if he is or not. You know, he could be on the phone with. Uh, he can be on the phone with the Seahawks right now.
1: Yeah, he know? could. So, yeah, that's, yeah, that's...
0: it. Yeah, so we, we we don't know. We don't know if he's been making these calls or if the Seahawks aren't budging. You don't know if uh, John Schneider is just being difficult. It's you know, it's it, it, from 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 a fan perspective, we never know what's happening. You know, we never know what the Packers are planning tomorrow. We can see a we can see a report come out. The Packers have traded uh, a third round pick and Ha Ha Clayton Dix to the Seahawks in exchange for Earl Thomas. You know, but
1: man, that'd be uh, wild. <laughs> you know, it's, it's,
0: I would definitely pull the trigger on that. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of people will be cheering for that.
1: Too. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, here's here's the thing. You mentioned Eric Reed because that seems to be like the popular alternative suggested. I'm not against Eric Reed either. I think he's a good football player. Um, I don't really want to dive in too much. We all know why he's not in the league at this point. I don't think that needs to be discussed. It's been discussed a hundred yeah. different ways from Sunday. So here's the thing about Eric Reed is he's an upgrade over what they already have. He's a similar player to Kentrell Bryce. Clinton Dix, Josh Jones. He's going to be your box safety, your guy who plays multiple versatile positions like that. Earl Thomas is a true center fielder, which the Packers do not have. So the way that I would kind of put that is kind of like you mentioned, Zach, why not both if you're going to do that? That's not a bad idea. I I tend to think it's one or the other. Um, If they're going to upgrade that way, it'll be one or the other as far as safeties go. But – it's, I mean, I wouldn't blink an eye if they wanted to do Earl Thomas and a, uh, a signing of Eric Reed and kind of just say, hey, here's two new safeties, um, and, you know, Clinton Dix, you're going to earn everything you can get, or maybe you don't earn anything, and you're going to end up, you know, going somewhere else. But, you know, that's, that's a lot there to digest. Uh, obviously, it's rumors, but rumors are fun. And the nice part is, you know, the Packers – Ted Thompson was great, and I don't want to make it sound like he wasn't when I say this, but it's just a little bit more fun now with Gudukunst because these are actual realistic possibilities. You know, they were finalists for Khalil Mack. That would never happen with Ted Thompson. I'm sorry. It just wouldn't. And Ted was great. He deserves to be a Packers Hall of Famer, won the Packers a Super Bowl. It's just a little more fun now, is all. Um, Yeah. Before the show, Zach, we were talking about. So here's. We're kind of an interesting gap here in age. We're both young guys, so I don't want to like sound overly offensive to the guys who have a little more experience, if you will. Uh, I'm 27 years old, and Zach is 23 and in college. Uh, and we were kind of in college and then in high school, pretty far spread apart. But I think the most interesting conversation we had before the show, Zach, was discussing you know head coaches in our lifetime. Because we're both pretty staunch. I think anybody who's followed both of us on Twitter has seen... Mike McCarthy has the admiration from both of us. I have gone as far to say that the best Mm -hmm. head coach in the history of the Green Bay Packers in the modern era, so like Curly Lambeau doesn't count, for example, but the best head coach for the Green Bay Packers, not named Vince Lombardi, is Mike McCarthy. Uh, I think Mike McCarthy is a very good head coach. Um, I think that he is... He gets a bad reputation because he coaches a Hall of Fame quarterback, which Aaron Rodgers certainly will be. He's the first ballot Hall of Famer. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. I understand that. Um, But I also understand that McCarthy helped build Aaron Rodgers from what he was. And if you don't believe that, go back and watch Rodgers' preseason tape from when he was drafted. It is goofy-looking, to say the very least. Um, And I also know that Brett Brett Favre was – kind of awful for a stretch before Mike McCarthy got here. And McCarthy pretty much completely rebuilt him and made him within one of his boneheaded interceptions of going to a Super Bowl. So is Mike the perfect head coach? No. Um, I don't don't think that exists. You know, obviously, would the Packers have more Super Bowl titles with Bill Belichick as their head coach? Absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, Bill Belichick might be the greatest head coach of all time. I understand that. But that doesn't make Mike McCarthy a bad coach either. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's how I feel. Uh, I think that he's far and away the best head coach. I was six years old when Mike Holmgren went to Seattle, uh, left and went to Seattle. So I don't remember a ton of his heyday, if you will. Um, I remember Ray Rhodes, and that was obviously, you know, anytime you get fired after one year, that you weren't that good of a coach for the team. Um, Mike Sherman, who... Yikes. <laughs> um, not awful, but certainly not great. Uh, and then there's been Mike McCarthy, where the Packers have won several division titles. They've played for, I believe, four NFC titles. Only won one. Uh, that went to the Super Bowl. There's been some shortcomings, no doubt. and Mike McCarthy has shortcomings of his own. Uh, he was certainly a culprit of that horrendous loss in Seattle uh, four years ago, but not the only one. Um, Zach, where are you at? Let's let's talk Big Mike for a little bit.
0: I'm always ready to talk about Mike McCarthy. Um, I'll just say, if I had to rank the coaches in my lifetime, the coaches of the Green Bay Packers, my lifetime which began in 1995, Valentine's Day in 1995 to be specific, Yeah, because February is right around the time when new coaches get hired. Obviously, that didn't happen to the Packers in 95. You know, they had Mike Holmgren. But if I had to rank these guys, in my lifetime, it's Mike McCarthy, Mike Holmgren, Mike Sherman, and Ray Rose. I think that's a similar list to a lot of people, actually. And I'm assuming you as well. I don't know if you would put Holmgren second or Sherman second, but by the sounds of it, you would put Sherman third. Um... Yeah, that 99 season with Ray Rhodes, my God. I mean, the guy just kind of stepped into a landmine of just a team that was in the process of being blown up and kind of, like, rebuilt around a future Hall of Fame quarterback. You know, no Robert Brooks, no Reggie White, no Mike Holmgren, no Fritz Schirmer. Like, there was – that whole team was just kind of, like – I don't know how to describe it. Like, compared to what they were – from 92 through, through 98, you know, they were just, it was just like a powerhouse. You know, you think the Green Bay Packers and those, those, those 90s, those 1990s teams and you just think of like pure dominance, you know, as far as three straight MVPs, but Mike McCarthy definitely gets a lot of undeserved flack, which I get because fans, nowadays especially, with the whole aspect of social media and all that, you know, they, they don't want to hear the same thing every press conference from Mike McCarthy. You don't, they don't want to hear him but, oh, our guys played a great game today, uh, pound level, you know, all, all that shit. You know, they don't want to hear the same thing from Mike McCarthy every single week after the Packers lose, after they win. It's always the same story. So I get it. Maybe he's not the best public speaker. Who knows? But this guy is majorly responsible for helping turn Aaron Rodgers into what he is. Like you mentioned, when he came out of Cal – he, his throwing mechanics were so freaking wonky. He had the ball; up, he was holding the ball up to his freaking ear hole and throwing passes like one to three yards down the field. Yep. Like there was no, yeah, there was no, like intention to needle the ball down the field. Like in those those uh, first three years of just playing in the preseason, and scarcely playing in the regular season. Then he broke his foot against New England in two thousand six, but. When he stepped in in 2008, you know he—it was just like a completely different quarterback. And Mike McCarthy putting him through that that quarterback school, engineered by McCarthy—that's—that's—that's that's, that's the animal behind the whole process of turning Aaron Rodgers into Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers being a first-round quarterback that played a big role in it. And people are going to knock McCarthy for. Oh, you didn't... Some quarterback whisperer. You didn't have Graham Harrell. You didn't turn him into a freaking all-star quarterback. Huh? Some quarterback guru. You didn't do it with Matt Flint. You didn't do it with Brett Hundley. Who, who was the other guy they drafted in 2008? Uh, oh, Brian Braun. Oh, my God. You know, it's like... Me? Yeah. He was supposed to be better than Rodgers. Remember that? Yeah,
1: thank you, Merrill Hodge, for it's that.
0: like, these guys...
1: Yeah, thanks, Merrill Hodge.
0: These guys don't think. Hey, maybe, maybe these quarterbacks just aren't that good, and maybe Aaron Rodgers just was good, being drafted in the first round and all, and obviously being, high, you know, relatively highly touted coming out of Cal. Yep. Maybe that played a role in it, but just completely switching around Rodgers' mechanics and and molding him into someone that's going to be Favre's eventual successor. You know, that's. McCarthy doesn't get a lot, a lot of credit for that, you know. But over the years, you know, you play with a Hall of Fame quarterback as if, as if McCarthy asked to be to, to, to ride Aaron Rodgers' shoulder pads, you know, to, to through the fields of success. As if McCarthy asked for that, the guy coaches with what he's given, and week week in and week out, he is prepared. He has his coaches prepared. He knows what he's doing. This guy's a, a, a constant professional, you know, and he shows that. Every single week.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And not to not to cut in if you were, weren't finished there real quick, but, I, I mean, I get it. You know, you were kind of alluding to it too. I know that bums like Michael Rodney and some of these guys that need to just be contrarians oh. all the time are going to come out and say that, oh, yeah, you know, some quarterback school, you haven't developed a backup quarterback. And it's like, okay, the backup quarterbacks he's been given off the top, Graham Harrell, undrafted free agent. B.J. Coleman was a seventh-round pick. Brett Hundley, even though he was talented, was a fifth-round pick. Um, sometimes guys just turn out to be bums. Like, there's only so much that the head coach can do, the quarterback coach can do, with those sorts of things. The most talented quarterback prospect the Packers have had for a backup since Aaron Rodgers is Deshaun Kaiser. He's on the roster right now. We'll see how long McCarthy gets to work with him. But, I mean, to act like you're just supposed to turn these quarterbacks into these viable options... Bill Walsh himself could not have made Graham Harrell a viable solution as a backup quarterback. It's just some guys aren't meant to play the position. It's a hard position to play. It's a hard position to develop. The college game doesn't do pro prospects any favors. So that's where I'm kind of at with that. I I think that's an unfair criticism to say that they haven't had a backup ready. I know the Eagles just won a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. The Vikings had a great season with a backup quarterback. The Packers just haven't had that. There's the amount of good backup quarterbacks in the NFL I can count on one hand, and I'm not even sure how good they are because Nick Foles, for example, was a Super Bowl MVP a year ago, and he's played below-average football the first two weeks of the season. The Eagles couldn't be more thrilled to be getting Carson Wentz back for today's game. So that's where that's where I think we're at with that. Uh, Zach, we and, –
0: and, and that was – and that's like – that's just the exception. Like that's not the rule. Like guys like Nick Foles and and Case Keenum. You know, Keenum's played horribly this year too. Like both of them. Yeah, they dead.
1: suck. Like and they, they turn into I pumpkins. Mean, like
0: Grant, yeah. And, and, and back back to Harold too. I mean, like, like I think it was the one regular season game this guy steps into with the Packers. Well, Aaron, it was against the Saints. It was in 2013. He fumbled on the goal line. Yeah, (laughs) Harold steps into the game. He fumbled. Yeah, he fumbles a (laughs) handoff. But people are going to knock McCarthy because this guy isn't good, and he didn't turn him into an off throw. It blows my freaking mind. These people think that McCarthy has some some actual quarterback school stationed out in the Midwest where he goes like throughout the week and just has a classroom full of these wannabe quarterbacks that want to be like aaron Rodgers, and he teaches them like on a weekly basis like i feel like that's what these people imagine like maybe maybe mike mccarthy or the packers coaching staff maybe they didn't put as much emphasis on developing some of these quarterbacks as they did aaron Rodgers, who again was a first a first round pick and the eventual successor to brett farr which i think they knew when they drafted him in
1: 2005 absolutely yeah, they absolutely knew that. I did not heat it here, man. Yeah, I don't know. I totally get it. I completely understand. <laughs> what this all boils down to is, if you guys ever hear the phrase "quote quarterback whisperer," there's no such thing. Uh, they that was said about Mark Tressman when he became the head coach of the Chicago Bears. That was a clown car. Um, that's been said about Jim Harbaugh, for example, and we've seen at Michigan that. He can't just turn any quarterback into some star. He's got to have some sort of talent to go with it. So that's where we're going to go with that. That's where we're going to leave that for now because we're running a little short on time here. Zach, I know I said we weren't going to talk too much about the game and beat it to death. Let's go through game picks real quick and leave it at that. Uh, I like Green Bay in this game. I think it's going to be a little sloppier than maybe it should be. I think the Packers are going to feel some of the effects. I don't know if you'll see it until the second half but they just played essentially a five-quarter playoff game in the heat last week against the Minnesota Vikings. I think you're going to see some of the struggles of that late, but I think they hang on. I think they make a play to win. Uh, I think that this time the game-winning play will not be nullified by a Clay Matthews roughing the passer penalty. That's a little bit of a disturbing trend that's Uh. taken place the first two weeks of the season. Uh, But I think Green Bay wins, I'll say, 27-23. Zach, perpetual optimist you are similarly to me. I'm gonna assume you have Green Bay winning, but let me know.
0: No, I actually have Green Bay losing forty to zero.
1: Oh wow! Sorry, I can't say I expected that.
0: <laughs> no touchdown. Um, well, Jermichael Finley predicted Green Bay thirty-five to seven. So I mean, I got to kind of roll with the best Packers tight end in my life in my lifetime. But um, no, I'm gonna. I actually predicted during the week uh, on on another podcast. Uh, I'm not cheating. I swear I'm not cheating on you guys. <laughs> um, I, predicted, I predicted 28-23 Packers win. So you and I are kind of in the same ballpark.
1: All right. Well, there you have it. Both of us like Green Bay to win. Uh, we apologize. We ran a little over on time today, but thank you guys for listening in to pack Podcast. Follow us on iTunes. Check the uh, podcast app on your iPhone. There's a million different ways to listen to us. Uh, follow the Packaday podcast podcast on twitter it's at pack a day podcast it's really really creative (laughs) name usage there but that makes it easy to find there uh (laughs) they got the rest of the team tweeted out and everything like that as well so go ahead and follow all of us you can follow zach uh specifically zach what's your twitter handle
0: my twitter handle is zach a jacobson z-a-c-h i've been dealing with people calling me z-a-c-k all my life so you know I'm kind of used to that, but Z-A-C-H-A-J-A-C-O-B-S-O-N. Follow me on Twitter or find me at TV.
1: And with him, you can get uh, analysis of the Green Bay Packers, sometimes pictures of his girlfriend, and also some Metallica-related enthusiasm, which I can <laughs> certainly appreciate. Uh, you can follow me personally. I am at Jacob Westendorf. Find the Aaron Jones avatar. I'll be screaming that out for the next uh, couple weeks. But uh, thank you guys for listening in. It's Sunday, it's game day, put your jersey on, throw the brats on the grill, crack open a beer, and uh, Go Pat. Go! Six seconds to go, ball just outside the four, Roger Shotgun looks to his right, snap to A-Rod, throws right side, yes! Touchdown, and a dagger! The and to Andrew Wallace on the right side! Aaron pointing to the right now, gets the snap, looking, throws left side of the end zone. Leaping right at the front side, and a touchdown green ball! A spectacular throw and catch to the left side of the end zone! from the 42, New York, fourth down and two, snapped A-Rod, looking downfield, scrambles right, now winds up, rainbows into the end zone, it is
0: caught by the of Touchdown Green Bay!